Hello, everybody. Welcome to the ninth edition of the PP Political Podcast. I'm Yishan Pokrell. My name is Cameron Cummings, and today we are with our guest, Miss Kim Cottle Lewis. Miss um, Lewis is the CEO of Project XYZ, a minority-owned, woman-owned small business under the United States Small Business Administration's Government Contracting Program, and she is the state Senate candidate for Alabama District Two, which encompasses the majority of Madison, unincorporated territory of Harvest, some of Huntsville, including University of Alabama Huntsville. Oakwood University, and Redstone Arsenal. Welcome to the show, Ms. Lewis. Thank you guys for having me. And we'll just get right into this right here. So, um, okay. just, uh, what, what what compelled you to run for state senate? It's, uh, it's such an important district, and uh, what made you feel like you have something to bring to the table and just share, share your uh, story? Um, well, it, it, it's kind of one of those things where it kind of evolved. I have served in several different um, organizations, several different leadership positions here in the community, and it seemed like the next best step. I noticed that a lot of things that are happening in our area are controlled from the state level, so I truly wanted to have an input and a say-so in what's kind of happening to our area and wanted to make sure it continues to grow. So the best way to do that is actually jump in the race and actually try to make a difference. It's just a continuation of what I've already been doing. Yeah. Um, and I know as we've done a little research on who you are, um, we know you were nominated by President Biden to serve on the board of directors of the TVA. So I was curious how that worked, like what it was like an application process, um, were there interviews, did you actually get to meet them, like what what <laughs> happened in that kind of process? Um, actually, it is a interview process. It's quite an extensive process to actually, um, once you're nominated. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the process works as far as to get on the list of nomination. I know that several people turn in names of people they think that are qualified for the position. Um, I was just lucky enough that um, former Senator Doug Jones actually turned my name in um, before he left um, office. And when the opportunity came up, um, he presented it and it worked out. I actually serve on the um, House of Utilities Board of Directors. So it kind of made it an honest fit because I understood the utility industry and to go into TBA. But one thing about that, um, as, since I decided to run for Senate, I had to actually um, remove my name from the nomination for the TBA because they wouldn't let me serve on both boards. So, But it was great to be nominated. I mean, it's quite an honor to be, you know, the president to know who you are, at least kind of, sort of, and, <laughs> and be nominated to serve on that board for, for him. So, Yeah, and a little bit more about your background. You're the CEO of Project XYZ. What exactly do you guys do? And um yeah, just in general, what do you guys... We're a defense contractor. No, um, we are a defense contractor, but a lot more than that, too. Uh, we mostly do foreign military sales work um, for DOD. Uh, we do some stuff for USASAC, and we do some stuff for MDA uh, for cybersecurity. We also, um, part of Project YZ is manufacturing. We have an auto manufacturing facility in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, that actually does headlights and taillights. So it's a plastic injection molding facility. So um, we call ourselves a diversified operating company because we have several different um, entities within the company, and each one of them has a different function, but they all pro- follow up on the Project XYZ. So let's just get into some demographics here of the state Senate race, because that is what we're here, we're here okay. to focus on today. Uh, you're running as a Democrat, unopposed in the Democratic right. primary, so congratulations to making it to the general election. Uh, <laughs> you'll be running against either Tom Butler, who's the incumbent right now, or Bill Holtzclaw, whose name is really familiar to me, but I'm not really sure from where. But I think he is pretty big in the community. And um, just this district, that District 2, it's a pretty urban district. Two universities, including Oakwood and uh, UAH, two big universities that can uh, have a lot of voters. So how do you how do you plan on flipping this district from a, a pretty strong Republican hold to now possibly a Democratic 
uh, flip, I guess would be yeah. the right term. Yeah, yeah flip, flip, yeah. Well, the demographics of the districts have changed. Um, when they redrew the Senate lines, that was one of the reasons why I decided to run, because it shifted more into the Madison area and less into the Limestone area. Um, so it's got a, a different split or a different population. Um, so since the last election, when we looked at the numbers, it actually favors more of a, to a Democrat than it does a Republican on its own. And I'm one of those people, I truly think that people will look at me as somebody that's truly gonna do the what's best for the district and not pay so much to party, because I think that's where we started to get into a lot of issues and concerns where people, you know, truly are worried about what party someone belongs to, except for what their true values are and what they're trying to accomplish while they're in office. You have anything to add? And I plan on doing a, a really hard uh, ground game. Um, I know a lot of people know who I am, but a lot of people don't. So I'm truly going to spend most of the summer out knocking on doors, trying to get people to know who I am, having conversations with like this and any others um, that people want to truly get to know me and find out what I'm trying to work on, I think will have a bigger impact than trying to um, just kind of do it broad span. I think the personal contact will be a little bit easier. Okay. Now, throughout this podcast, I'm going to be like bouncing around to different questions, but for now, I will kind of stay on the topic. Um, okay. So saying how you're going to run, knowing that um, you have a strategy for how you're going to flip um, people's perceptions um, to become more blue-leaning, um, what is your platform like? What are you What are you standing on with like education um, and anything like that? Because I feel like education, especially the state lottery, is two really big things happening right now. It is, and uh, education is definitely one of those things that I uh, want to concentrate on. You know, we've got an opportunity with the state lottery to expand what we're currently doing for our schools. We've got to make sure that our teachers are you know qualified and also paid to do the job they're doing. We got to make sure the pre-K system actually starts because we realize that most of the time, everything that happens actually starts a lot earlier in age. The people need to make sure their children are getting in school a little bit earlier, and the pre-K program could do that. And then, of course, all through their you know grade school years, they need to make sure that they're getting everything they can. And the only way they're going to be able to do that is to expand the current things we're doing in the schools. And we've got to have the funding to do that. So education is definitely something we want to concentrate on because it's. Um, it's the next generation, and if we don't put a good base in place, I think we're going to end up hurting ourselves. Yeah, I've seen a lot I of mean, these. This area is truly a technology area, so we want to make sure our kids have everything that they need to be as advanced as they can. Yeah, I've seen a lot of things floating around. I don't know if it's how true it is on like Instagram and stuff. There's like a big education cut coming in the yes. in the Alabama legislation uh, legislator. So I don't know if. But that is a big... Uh, That's just rumor, because I was actually rumor. down in Montgomery last week, and they just passed the biggest education budget that we've ever had in the state. Um, so I don't see any education cuts coming, at least not in the next uh, cycle. So um, And it's also election year, so of course they're not going to do anything like that to uh, hurt anything. But I think it's just one of those things that they will... They know that they've got to make a change, so this is an opportunity for them. Uh, apologies for the misinformation there, everybody. That's okay. <laughs> uh, another, uh, yeah, as you said, it's an election year. That does make a lot of um, waves in regards to policy, but also another thing, voter turnout. So it doesn't look yeah. too hot for the Democrats right now, as you've, if you guys have been reading our Senate and government, uh, gubernatorial forecasts. Democrats are in a kind of big hole. Just, I mean, honestly, a lot of it's been unlucky with COVID and now Ukraine, Russia, but also um, just, you know, they're, somewhat ineffectiveness in the national scale has kind of dampened their expectations, I'd say, for the mm -hmm. midterm. So how do you, um, you have, there are a lot of Democrats in this district. There are also, but like, there's a lot of Democrats. I believe that there's more Democrats now than Republicans uh, registered in this in district too. But how do you plan on 
courting the Republicans that you're going to need because, I mean, frankly, I don't think a lot of these Democrats are going to turn out in a discouraged midterms year. I think it's, like I was saying earlier, it's truly getting into front of them and actually talking to them. I mean, as a small business owner, as a, a mother of a child that's in school, I can tell them the things that I'm relating to and can truly work with them to help accomplish whatever concerns and needs they may have. So it, I think it's just one of those things to truly get in front of people. And, you know, the D and the R behind a name shouldn't decide on every time the way a person votes. I think it needs to be truly um, who the person is and what their values are. And jumping ahead to the future a little bit, saying you were to get um, elected as a senator, what would be one of the first issues you tackle? Um, I know you spoke on education, but Mm -hmm. just what's another issue that you think you would be like first up on like your checklist to tackle as a newly elected state senator? The Medicaid expansion. Health care has got to be something that we look at really quickly. I'm hoping it will actually pass before we even, you know, go into November for the election. But if it doesn't, that's going to be one of the first things I want to make sure we're looking at because the state is losing billions of dollars. Um, There's a lot of, you know, hospitals throughout the state that are currently operating in the red. So we've got to do better. And there's a lot of federal funds out there that we're missing out on just because of politics. Mm-hmm. So that's just something that's got to be corrected. Um, the economics of it says it needs to be corrected. It has nothing to do with anything political. It's just the economics of it. The state can't survive if we don't expand it. And our healthcare system will suffer for it. Uh, do you feel like, just jumping back, we're jumping back and forth here. Apologies for that. But uh, a little bit just like on the campaign trail here. You're very uh, new. I would assume you're pretty new to the whole political sphere. Uh, how much of an asset do you think that will serve you, especially in uh, when, you, when it comes November and you might be facing a long-term incumbent in uh, Mr. What's his name? Tom Butler. Yeah. So how do, you, uh, how do you plan on leveraging that lack of experience against his multitudes of experience? Well, I guess I don't look at his lack of experience. I mean, as a, a politician is supposed to be a public servant, and I've been doing public service, you know, pretty much all my adult life. So I just think this is a continuation of it. So I don't think it's a lack of experience. I may not have been sitting down in Montgomery um, passing legislative, but I have been working here in the community doing this, you know, some of the similar things to make sure the economic growth and things still prosper here. So it's just a matter of where, which way you look at it. That's <laughs> fine. Pretty pretty good answer, I'd say. I agree um, with that, yeah. like, like I did say, I will be bouncing around. So jumping back <laughs> to the future again, um, okay. say <laughs> we're going back to say if you were elected to be a senator, um, would you expect to form like a coalition with other like North Alabama representatives, like such as Mr. Uh, Anthony Daniels or Mr. Witt, um, Mr. Witt, uh, Mrs. Hall, um, Mrs. Hall, all of, all of yeah, those all people, people. Um, or even like other state senators um, that would work like to see to come together to have like more of a Focus on the North Alabama, yeah, because yeah, we do have the. I feel like we have the most potential Growth. as a part of this state, yeah, I feel especially like with Huntsville everything. expanding rapidly. Yeah. The arsenal, getting the space force, um, the space at Rocket Center, yeah. Space Force coming in. I think yeah. the FBI as well. Um, North yeah, Alabama I mean, is having explosion of growth, so having that coalition, um, we probably see a lot of benefits. Do you yeah. see something like that ever happening? Oh, def- it would have to. I mean, we all, I hope at the end of the day, want to see the area grow and prosper. So we would have to work together and have to figure out a way to do that cohesively. I think if we're all concentrating on what's best for the area, then, you know, naturally we would have a cohesion um, working together. So I think that's something that will continue. I know they currently do, and I just don't see with me being in that seat where that would change because I want to make sure the area continues to grow and prosper, and I would continue to do that. 
Let's get into some uh, more in-depth, some Alabama politics here. You have more policy things. There's a lot of, we have, we do have a lot of issues, unfortunately. There's a lot of good things with the state. We do have a lot of issues. Uh, lotteries is one of the big things. I feel like uh, there's a lot of movement on that. Even Governor Ivey's in, in favor of implementing which a lottery is, system. Which is, well, first, I'm I mean, sure she would oppose tons to tons of money yeah, to the other a, states. Yeah. I mean, it only makes sense to go ahead and, yeah. and pass it. So, But um, even just in general, like there's a lot of topics. I'll let, we'll let you touch on some of the more important issues to you. But how do you... If you are elected again, how do you policy making? I feel like in Montgomery, it's like a lot of back. It feels like it's a lot of backroom deals and just like knowing who's who. So how do you? You'll you'll be new to the whole charade, I guess. Even if you you have been in public service, but you'll be new to the Montgomery charade, which is uh, definitely something something else. How do you plan on like trying to like make yourself make a name for yourself and like earn the respect of those longtime um, representatives and senators? Yeah, I'm not necessarily trying to go down and make a name for myself. I'm truly just going down to be a public servant and do the things we need to do and find out what's important to our area um, and work with the people that are there to make that happen. Um, and yes, it'll be new. It'll be uh, one of those things where I have to figure out if there are certain meetings or certain things going on where those may be happening. But like I said, I think if everybody's working towards the common goal to, to improve the area, I think I'll, I'll figure it out. Believe me, there's no problem with that. <laughs> So what are some areas you want to, uh, outside of education and uh, you said Medicaid, what are, what are some of your bigger uh, platforms that you want to really hammer down in your campaign? Yeah, well, we've got to work on our infrastructure. I mean, as you know, through Madison and Huntsville and all the area with all the expansion and growth, we our infrastructure is just not keeping up with it. Um, it's not just the roads and things that we all see, obviously, but also with the um, Wi-Fi infrastructure. I mean, we figured that out through COVID. There's a lot of areas out in unincorporated Madison County that just doesn't have service. There's a lot of areas within um, the area down in Triana and some other areas that just doesn't have any type of service. So it's got to be a, a strategic, intentional approach to hit those areas that nothing's there to make sure that, you know, everybody has the same opportunities. So that's another thing that I think we can definitely need to work on. Yeah, I mean, you you you're on a roll right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like um, infrastructure, pretty big. Bill, uh, build back better didn't pass nationally, so mm -hmm. I think getting more uh, infrastructure. The roads have been like Madison County. Like there have been a lot of a lot of new road paving recently, so that is a, a step in the right been. direction. But definitely, um, there's still areas where yeah, there's a lot of issues. So I know you have been a business owner since 2002. If I am correct, right. correct. 20 years this year. Yes, so you're coming on your 20th anniversary of your business. Yes, congratulations you. for that. Um, what, how do you think that has helped you? Um, obviously, as a business owner, you have to be like a leader within your community in the area that you're working in, especially in being computers. So I feel like when you said technology with schools, I know you have a strong um, like area expertise for that. Yeah. So if that's what you've been working in, how do you feel like owning a business of that scale will help you in your election? Um, I think it's just because people realize um, I've been able to be successful in growing the business and the partnerships that I made within the community to grow that. I mean, when you're government contracting, especially when getting started out, you have to partner a lot with some of the large organizations. So I think that people know me from doing that to truly be a good team player, but then also can lead projects and take it from that area also. But um, as a business owner, I think the, my employees will all tell you that I'm a, a true servant leader. I'm someone that's giving them the tools and things that they need to get their job done. Because um, I know I can't do it all, and I tell them all the time, I need you here, so you let me know what you need to get your job done, and we'll get it get it to you. So that's the type of approach I'm going to take to the Senate, is to find out what the people need, 
and then actually be there to serve them and to do the things that they want done in Montgomery. Yeah, if you're elected, I'll just uh, touch on something real quick. If you're elected, how do you, I know um, Representative Witt, who represents my district in the House, in the State House right now, he, uh, last time I spoke to him, he told me he does a lot of, like, uh, polling before voting on issues where he, like, polls his, uh, instead of, really, like, like, he voted, I believe he voted in favor of state lotteries. So he's like, I might not completely agree with this personally. Uh, sorry if I'm butchering this, Mr. Witt. Hopefully you'll still come on in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but um, you're, uh, he's, he might not agree with something completely, but he'll still vote for it if that's what his constituents want. Do you hope to work a little bit more like that, or do you want to kind of bring in a little bit more of your own uh, personal beliefs into your voting I mean, and legislation. Well, I honestly think the people we're there to represent uh, the people that you're that sent you to Montgomery, not necessarily your own personal beliefs. And I think that's where some people um, lose sight of what they're there for. So I honestly think I mean polling's I mean there's several tools out there you can find out and kind of get a pulse of what the people are saying, whether you're having, you know, community meetings or if you're having a group of people come together or if you're doing a true phone polling kind of thing. So I think that's the best route to take because, like I said, you're supposed to be servant to the people that send you, not necessarily your own opinions every time. Because you, your opinion may not weigh in on what the majority of the people want done. So you've always got to look at those whenever you make any type of decision. I think that'll bring a lot of trust in, with your constituents mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, I'd say so. I agree. I feel like from what we've done, like research-wise, on you, uh, you have like a very lengthy resume. One thing yeah. that I think stood out to me um, is that you served on as like a board chair of the Huntsville Madison Chamber of Commerce. I was just curious um, what your time was on that, and like how that shaped you as a person and a leader. Um, that was back in 2019, and that was something that I truly um, was honored to do. I was the first uh, black woman to actually hold that seat, so that held an even larger. Um, I wouldn't say burden responsibility than um, just any other time. So I, I took it as the opportunity to truly learn any and everything I could about what's going on in the area. And it was also in that position when I realized um, how a lot of things are managed and controlled by the state on what happens in our area. So that was truly sitting in those meetings and really realizing that a lot of our state representatives have an input on some of those things made me want to get into it even more. So I think each one of these things I've done throughout my career helped shape me to be ready for this next step. And how long of a term did you serve? Serve. Yeah, it's just a one-year term. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've had you have a lot of these uh, experience. Like you're a CEO. You've been on a lot of these boards. You've been a Madison Chamber of Commerce TVA directory. Uh, you haven't. How? So I feel like you work for a, a defense contractor. Which is very important, but I feel like a long, a big part of this district is like, it's very military heavy, but it's also people. The people feel kind of uh, somewhat autonomous. You know, they're kind of like, I don't want to be represented by big government. Mm -hmm. But then, if you are working for the federal government, uh, they might not know a lot about you, and they might be turned off by that fact. So, how do you? Uh, I know you've been saying you want to go out and meet people, but is there like a specific way you want to approach a little bit more like reclusive, more independent people like such? Um, I think I could look at that. Yes, I'm a, a small business owner from the government contracting arena, but we're also a owner of a restaurant. We're also an owner of a small uh, TV station. 
I'm a seed and supply store, so I think I can relate to a lot of people. Most people know about the government contracting sector, but not about all the other businesses. I that can tell you for a fact, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. <laughs> what, what restaurant is it, if you don't mind us asking? Uh, Superhero Chef. We actually oh, have that down in Tuscumbia, Alabama. They just opened one in Huntsville. That's another group, but it's that same type of restaurant. Because I, uh, I, I actually I recently familiar. went to the one in Huntsville. Mm. Yeah. What do they have? Um, so Darnell Park. Yeah. It yeah it's over there by Stars and Stripes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I've seen it. Okay, I haven't been there, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, we didn't know, we did not know that obviously. So that's yeah. You said yeah, you okay. owned. Can you go back through that? You said a restaurant, a seed and supply, a small TV yeah. station. Yes. And so there's a lot of and um, even a, a online retail clothing store. So I've come in contact with a lot of people in different industries. So I think I can relate to a lot of different people. Um, even to the farmers. I grew up on a farm. Um, my dad raising everything from popcorn to, you know, to peanuts. So <laughs> it's just one of those things where I was born and raised in this area and I've seen the growth and seen the things that happen. And I think all that past experience um, helps me out when it's time for to qualify for this position. Yeah, you really cover all the bases in that, like, one paragraph of speaking. Yeah, <laughs> like, everything. Every demographic. I mean, you own... It's a little bit of everything. Small business is... owner, government contractor. Yeah, we're, lived we're on a me farm. and my husband, we call ourselves serial entrepreneurs. Um, <laughs> when opportunities present itself, if it fits within the realm of something that we think we can handle, we try to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, it's a lot um, of <laughs> I'm I'm kind of want to like lean into this business side a little bit more. Um, what okay. even like got you to start it? Because I feel like getting into government contracting is also a hard field, especially. Um, I feel like you joined at a really good time in the early 2000s. Um, Cybersecurity, yeah. post 9-11 especially, uh, cybersecurity was a big deal, but not as prevalent as it is today. So I know you guys have probably experienced a really good amount of growth. So I was just curious what led you to start this business and like what your background was to like qualify okay. for it. Well, I actually didn't start off in government contracting. I actually started Project YZ um, as a healthcare IT consulting firm. I was It was just me for the first uh, couple of years, and then I slowly start bringing people on. But I started the company strictly because at that time I was a single mom looking for a way to make some extra income. And it started out a necessity and grew into, you know, now we've got over 300 people across the country. Well, actually across the world because we've got folks all over the world right now. So um, it's one of those things that started off very small in the bedroom of my house um, to now we've got places, like I said, all over the world. So it's um, very humble beginnings, a lot of the hard times, but it um, has paid off. And I was lucky enough, um, I think it was five years, because we started in 2002, 2007, my now husband, um, we always laugh because we would tell everybody we were business partners before we were husband and wife, um, actually came over and joined me. So it actually, that's where his background was in the government contracting. So that's when we started doing that. So I was handling a lot of the commercial side um, with the healthcare IT, and he was handling some of the government side. And then we just slowly just start merging most of the things together, so... Uh, do you plan on continuing to serve as CEO if you are elected? I know you can hold jobs as um, representatives and senators in the state, but are you planning on continuing to? You are okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean that's I mean that's my life, <laughs> but um, right being a senator is also my life would be my life too. So it's just one of those things I've been able to juggle a lot of hats. I've got a great team of people that work for us, so I don't have to be in every day and see the day to day things that are happening. And then, like I said, my husband also works there, so I know things are being taken care of if I'm not there on a daily basis. That's good. Any more business talk. I mean, I mean, seem like, pretty I, into it. Yeah. I mean, that was it. Was just like I didn't know like how much of a like how much was it 
Yeah, how do you how did you get the co- uh, government contract? I'm not really sure how that um how like, that what, process uh, works. You start off as one or two people and you build up trust. I mean, we took the healthcare IT skills we had on the IT side and was able to convince the customer to give us our first contract for one person to try us out. And we exceeded over that, um, their expectations. And then we slowly start picking up onesies and twosies here and there until we had enough past performance to actually bid on something really big. And um, then it just started growing. So it's, it's, it's a process. Like I said, it didn't happen overnight, but <laughs> glad it did happen eventually. So I know your husband is more of the um, government contracting. I was curious on both of your backgrounds, like education-wise, and how those like, came together so seamlessly. Yeah, my husband. We always say my husband handles the technical side of the business. And I handle the human side of the business now. So we kind of work together very well on that because the two have to work together seamlessly to make everything work together. But his background is um, finance, uh, MBA, all the business side of things, whereas mine is more of the technical side of things. Um, I've got a degree um, from Calhoun in computer information systems. Um, I tell everybody my horror stories of how I got into healthcare IT. Is I thought I wanted to be a nurse, so I went to UNA and went to nursing school. I realized, no, I didn't want to do that. So I came back home, went to Calhoun, and got an associate's degree in computer information systems. And that's how I end up in healthcare IT. So um, they just kind of work together now, and we just uh, have a pretty seamless team. You have anything else to add to the uh, business portion? Of business it? portion, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of diversity in the business. There's like a restaurant, a TV. So there's so much. There's so much bases being covered. How do you? How do you run that all? So yeah. do you, I know you say you have like a phenomenal staff of 300 worldwide. So I know it's. Um, you don't have to be at every single place every single day. Um, it's pretty easy just to like set them off into their own little divisions. But, but still, still, <laughs> I, still, even if you have people that you trust in those divisions, you still have to be the overlooker of that how do you manage your time with that properly well a lot of it i get you know weekly reports on what's happening what's going on um i'm one that studies you know everything that comes through me as far as logging in at night checking on to make sure how sales went today at the restaurant do we need to readjust the schedule next day and i can call up the manager saying hey i don't think tomorrow's going to be that busy we may need to change the schedule out so it's truly just one of those things you you know a lot of people say they go home and shut off. Well, I go home and check on some other things. So <laughs> it's just a matter of managing it. I mean, we've been doing it for so long now that it, it's almost like second nature to kind of just log in and see what's going on and see what may need to be addressed. But like I said, we've got a phenomenal team of people that work with us. So I don't feel like I have to micromanage. I let them do their job. Because um, one of my husband's favorite saying is, if I got to do it, then why do I need you? So it's one of those things we make sure that everybody that's doing their job, we trust them to do it and we don't have to watch them. So. Yes, ma'am. You want to shift back over to the Senate side yeah. of things? Uh, Andrew, do you have any questions about her business background? Or uh, our producer's back here on his phone. He looks bored, like always. He's, oh, yeah, oh he's, he's watching us. Okay, oh. never mind. Um, <laughs> you just called him up Well, he reason. played Clash Royale last time. <laughs> He was playing video games. All right, anyways, uh, let's go back to the Senate a little bit because, you know, that is... Okay. Yeah, um, I don't even, like, I, I want to come back, like, a little bit more like these, like, a little bit more statewide. Do you have any, like, actual, like, I know, like, your district is more, obviously, the district is your first priority, but statewide, do you have any reform or anything you want to see outside of education or Medicaid? Do you have any other, like, specific areas that you want to kind of address as a state senator? Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned them, of course, the education. We've got to get the lottery passed. We've got to get the Medicaid expansion done. So those are the three things that I hope to be able to accomplish. And I guess also looking at this bill that they just passed also with um, the permitless guns, that that kind of concerns me. Um, 
I just think that some people need to really rethink that. I mean, if you've got law enforcement saying that they don't even think this is a good idea, then there's obviously something wrong there. So I just think it's something that needs to be relooked at. Um, and and I guess I just need to understand why it was even passed in the first place. Now, for those of you who don't know, constitutional carry was signed into law, uh, I believe, Friday. And I think it's we're the 22nd state now in the union to allow it. So that's just a little bit of background there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely – I think a lot of sheriffs have been uh, decrying it. I saw a lot of – uh, controversy about was, that. Not a lot of people were as happy of it as I thought they would. Yeah, you know, I thought it'd be like a big. Uh, I personally, I was like, you know what? I mean, constitutionally, this doesn't make sense. Uh, a lot of like safeguards having to remove though. So there's a lot of issues with it. Obviously, there's always going to be issues with it. But the sheriff's union have been a lot of uh, been the most loudest voice about it for. Yeah, they, they've been like the most vocal, like a the critics. Yeah, about I don't yeah, know. Yeah, about honestly, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the story behind that is, but. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. the other thing is, too, we've, we've got to work on our workforce. Yes. I think everybody in town is looking for people and qualified people. So we've got to make sure we're recruiting the right people in the town for the jobs that we need. And then also training the, the next generation or anybody that may be underemployed to, to the positions that we need. So I know that um, several of the junior colleges are working with um, several of the big organizations to try to figure out ways to go ahead and get training and do uh, certificate programs and let people go straight to work. So I think a lot of that's got to be relooked at. Not everybody is ready to go to a four-year degree. And I think there's ways to get people in the workforce a lot sooner than before and be just as qualified as the people that are currently doing some of those jobs. So I think we just need to relook at the way we're we're approaching workforce. Yeah, it's a trade jobs is a big thing uh i think there's a lot of opportunity for it here i know mm-hmm. we have a like a kind of academy for that in my school system i think you guys do as yeah, well different but sort of. uh yeah it's not really incentivized yet so i think doing that getting like more funding maybe for yeah. i don't know about, i, I don't like know if funding's the answer things but, like that like um plumbing especially like welding things yeah. like that that are because i'm currently in a welding class yeah i have a friend yeah. that's gonna um, do welding so i mean year. like those are things that i feel like there's a lot of money to be made in yeah. there um, mm-hmm. I'm learning it's like an extra skill. I really want to go into like engineering. So, but like people that there are people in that class that I know for a fact are yeah. super good, and that's what yeah. they're gonna do. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. One of my um, favorite things to say is everybody used to want the corner office, but now we don't have the workforce to even build the offices mm-hmm. because a lot of people are not trained to do those type of jobs, and we've just got to get back to that. Because you can make a very honest, healthy living um, off a trade job. And I think that we had gotten so hard in pushing people towards school and not necessarily to the trades is where it's um, kind of backfired on us now. Also, going back to like the Huntsville area with the Space Force, the FBI, so much technological advancement coming to the Huntsville area. Um, right. How do you make sure in your campaign to like make sure that stays not just solely within Huntsville, but that it, the growth keeps coming and there are more people yeah. coming into the city to make it more um, more enticing? more businesses to be opened up and more people to come in. Yeah, because the district map is very uh, very pro-military in that sense. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Madison, almost a lot of the Redstone Arsenals actually in District 2. So how do you, yeah, whatever he said, I just wanted to add that just for those that don't know. <laughs> so we don't have to well, technically, that. with the way the new district line's drawn, it's right there at 565. Mm-hmm. So it's just got a little bit of Redstone Arsenal in it now in the district. Um, but still, a lot of the people that live uh, or work on Arsenal live within the district. So we need to make sure that we're still doing everything that we can to make sure the jobs continue to grow and other opportunities are still there. And the area has the 
amenities that the people that are moving here want. So I know the local municipal, you know, agencies and um, government are doing a lot of that themselves, but the state can help incentivize that or help recruit some of those things. So that's where I think we could fit in. I know a lot of that's done locally from the mayors and the city council, but I think the state still plays a big role in that. Yeah, uh, I want to go back to the lottery because I think that's like the biggest issue. We came out the gate talking about the lottery. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, I texted a lot of my friends before this episode. I was like, what do you want to like hear? And they were like, talk about the lottery. So let's talk about the lottery. Um, I it's, it's fairly popular in the state. I think I've seen polling that has like, it's been favorable for a lot of people. Uh, the governor supports it. That should, I mean, in most states, that's just enough to pass it. Mm-hmm. But apparently not here. Um, the biggest issue, I think, for people is like the uh, the kind of a more faith-based aspect of it, like against yeah. like gambling, right? But then, um, like you said, like everyone says, that Florida has a lottery, Mississippi has a lottery, Georgia's a lottery, Tennessee has a lottery. But financially, we are very yeah. severely missing out. Like I can, can't even tell you. As soon as a lot of my friends are like 18... Yeah, they like make like day trips now to drive <laughs> to Tennessee because it's like it's like a forty-five yeah we're not minute drive, so it's not an insane drive to go buy lottery tickets and yeah. just like play them. And yeah. I know I can't, I can say even family-wise, like a lot of my aunts and stuff will whenever they're up in town to visit us, they'll stop by Tennessee yeah. to pick up lottery tickets. So I feel like yeah. we are severely missing out funding for. Um, I, I know agree. Tennessee's most of it goes to education. Yeah, I think Mississippi does as well. Now, yeah, yeah, if not all of it goes to education. Um, but the vast majority of it does, so I feel like that's a lot of money we're missing out yeah. on. I was doing research for Boy State when I was campaigning on lottery a lot uh, this summer, and I think it was like we we're missing out like eight hundred million dollars. It was on insane lottery, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it huge. Is, it's, it's a, a huge very number. high number of the, the amount of money that we're missing just because they don't want to pass it, or I think they're at least trying to at least get it on the ballot so that we can at least have a say so on whether or not it's going to be an option for us even if they don't do it themselves at least let the people vote yeah. whether they want it or not so but yeah we can talk about like the benefits but how like if it does come to a bill how would you like go about because i i'm assuming you're supporting it the way you've been talking about it um how would you go about actually convincing those who are really kind of more hesitant on the on the like the lottery the gambling aspect how would you like i don't know if you would actually be doing this but how would do you think you could convince some of the holdouts in a the legislature. I think it's just. I think it's truly just the economics of it. I mean, if you can put a paper in front of somebody that actually shows them, not just how much we're missing because it's going to other states, but also showing them number-wise how it can benefit our state and mm-hmm. benefit these students um, in education. I think that's the best way you can convince anybody. I think a lot of people talk about it, but nobody's taking the time on some of it to actually go and put it into, you know, the economics of the impact that it can have. So that's something that I think needs to be done and can make it a whole lot easier to um, convince people that may be on the line or on the, you know, making a decision about it. Yeah. Uh, That's, yeah, I think the economics would be the biggest driver. You'd think, I mean, honestly, I feel like people would have been doing that by now. And I think the last bill failed. I was surprised, but maybe we'll get in a couple of years, you know, maybe if they do vote on the 2022, we think, yeah, Um, big opportunity for the state. Yeah. (laughs) Another, like, very far into the future question, saying um, you go into state senate, you get everything you want to get done, um, and you feel very proud of what you've done. You feel like you've got garnered a lot of support back in District 2. Would you feel like you'd want to run for a higher position 
um, in the future. I'm just, I know this is a I know you're gonna far say future no, question. You're gonna say, <laughs> yeah. I wanna, obviously for now you're going to say I want to focus on yeah. my district, but just has the thought ever occurred Especially in like about 10 years when these redistricting maps come out and Madison County will very likely be a blue district. To be honest, I had not even think, thought that far yet. So I, you know, I know you say, I know you're going to say no, but truly I haven't thought that far of what's going to happen. You know, I hadn't put a, a five or 10 year plan on what I want to do in, in, in the political arena. I'm truly just concentrating on this right now. So, um, I don't know what to say on that one. No. <laughs> I'm still trying to get my mind wrapped around this one. <laughs> yeah, you uh you recently started campaigning. I mean, like guess like really just started yesterday, right? The St. Patrick's Day parade in Huntsville. You were just Well that was the, the first uh the thing first I, no, we've yeah. been campaigning since I made the announcement, but that was just the first time doing a, a public parade public, like that. Yeah, but we've yeah. been out campaigning, meeting with different groups. Um, and talking to people, like I was saying, I think that's going to be the best approach is to actually get in front of people and do talking. So we've been doing that for a while. It's just yesterday was the first, like I said, big public thing that we did the parade. Mm-hmm. So. Do you want to do, uh, sorry, real quick, do you want to do more like, do you want to, especially when it gets hotter in the summer here, do you want to try to get more like of those outside events? Do you want to start doing like public forums where you're in like an auditorium addressing people or how do you plan on really going about this because you have till november you're not primary you're not being primary so you have until november to figure this out do you have like kind of a skeleton of how you want to start easing into the campaign process Uh, kind of like i'm doing now slowly meeting with people um as we get further into the summer we'll start doing some canvassing and biggest thing making sure people are registered to vote and educating them on that area if they're not so it's it's a ground game um and then of course we'll have different events and you know, we'll have a big kickoff coming up here soon. So it's just one of those things where it's, it's a slow process at first, but then as it gets closer, we'll start, you know, ratcheting it up and getting out in front of more and more people. Um, I would say from what I've heard so far, you seem like very well-respected in your community and in general in the political landscape. Um, but I'm just curious, have you faced any, like, just obstacles or barriers from the time you've started your business um, to even throwing your hat into the arena to run for state senate? I'm just curious about that. Um, of course, in business, I've had a lot of obstacles. I mean, that's just part of business, especially a woman on business in a defense industry. It's a lot of obstacles from there. But it's just one of those things where I will tackle anything that comes in front of me and figure out the best solution for it. I just don't let that deter me. Um, I think I'll do the same thing as far as when I get ready to get down in Montgomery. If there's obstacles and things that come in the way, I'll find the right solution for it and, and work through it. It's just it's just who I am. <laughs> I don't want to stop me. It's a good soundbite to end it, I think, right? Uh, yeah. Andrew, you have any? You have any extra? Nothing. You have no, no questions. Nothing. Okay. Well, Andrew doesn't want to participate. Okay. So, um, thank you, Miss Lewis, for coming on. You're very busy. So, we really appreciate. it. I think we had a good, uh, nice introductory phase of the conversation here. Hopefully, we'll get you back on when your primary, when your opponents sorted out on May 24th. Uh, if you haven't, if you're not registered to vote, make sure you do vote and get registered. Very easy. It takes like five minutes. Yeah. We talked about this last time. Um, do you have anything? You know, have any? Uh, I know you recently released a book. Any any other campaign places to plug or anything going on? Other than- uh, just make sure you check out Kim Lewis for SD2. That's the number four. So Kim Lewis, the number four, SD, the number two, dot com. And you can follow us and sign up for any email blast and you can know what's everything that's going on with the campaign. Yeah, and we'll uh, link all of those in the description of our podcast. Um us personally, uh, check us out on pbpolitical.com. Our social media will be linked as well. Uh, check out our 
bi-weekly forecast. We had a governor's election forecast mm-hmm. come out uh, yesterday or today at the time of recording. So check those out. Uh, share with your friends and family. Uh, I'm Ishan Pokrell. My name's Cameron Cummings. And goodbye.